0: Hey, Amanda. Hey, Kristen. We are back to doing interviews.
1: We're back to trying to do... (laughs) No, we did good.
0: Yeah, we have amazing guests coming up this summer, and I'm so excited for all of them. We have The first one. I know, it's so good. Everyone coming up this summer is awesome. I'm super pumped for this first interview with Sarah M. Lyons. She is amazing, and we have such an awesome conversation with her and I'm super excited and super pumped to get into it but first let's talk about a couple of things going on this summer here with us
1: yes let's do it
0: so if you aren't already coming to awesome ladies live you guys need to get on this come and go to awesomeladieslive.com live no guys don't go to that because that's not a website don't do that Go to theawesomeladiesproject.com slash live. I'm so excited that I can't even tell you the right website. (laughs) Amanda and I are going to be there. Um, There's going to be amazing people there. Tracy and Megan and Jenny and everyone who's cool is going to be there. And if you can't come, that's okay. Um, Because we all know that everybody's cool. And even if you can't be with us, you'll be with us in spirit. But if you can come to Awesome Ladies Live, you should absolutely come to Awesome Ladies Live. Because it is – it's just a magical experience. And it is – Something that I'm incredibly passionate about. And you get to see the inverse of my introvertedness.
1: That's true. I did see a lot of that last year. And they could listen to our summer crafting uh, episode to hear you talk in detail about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can go back to the summer crafting episode to hear lots and lots of stuff in detail about it. You can go to com slash live To learn a little bit more about it and to get your tickets, it is July nineteenth, twentieth, and twenty-first. You get to come hang out in my studio. We have a full day of workshops. We'll do a very cool photo walk and have an ice cream social at the MSU Dairy Store, which is the greatest ice cream on the planet. And I don't even like ice cream. (laughs) I don't. I don't. I I don't have delicious. I don't have a sweet tooth. I don't like ice cream, but damn, if this place does not have the greatest ice cream in the world. Like, they have the cows. They get the milk from the cows. Like, they're not even allowed to sell it as milk because, I don't know. It was one of
1: the best ice cream cones I ever had. I had a blueberry pie scoop and a banana scoop. Devil.
0: It's, like, unreal. (laughs) So good. So come to Awesome Ladies Live. The theme this year is the magic and storytelling. And I think everyone could use a little bit of magic in their life sure everyone could use a weekend away um mid michigan is an amazing place especially in the summer it's beautiful and you get to spend some time with me you get to spend some time with amanda you get to spend some time with us together and we're fun people
1: <laughs> i mean
0: we are we are very fun people <laughs>
1: yeah it is fun there it's a fun time and speaking of magic our first guest today is pretty magical.
0: She is so cool. She she's makes,
1: self-proclaimed like magical person. <laughs>
0: she's like a very awesome cool like person. And I really loved getting into conversations with her. I love okay, so side note here's how it, interviews go on Crafty as female. Amanda talks to our guests for, like, the first 10 or 15 minutes and (laughs) really gets into them. And I kind of sit back and observe the conversation and really, I don't want to say I study people and figure out, like, what's going on, but that's kind of what happens. And I just, because I love meeting new people. I guess if you, Amanda said it best a while back, That I just, I love, I don't remember the phrase you used.
1: You love experiencing people. Yes,
0: I love experiencing people. Yeah. And I, it's such a, it's such a privilege to be able to be on this show, to have this show with Amanda, to have this show together and to be able to experience these women and their stories. And we just do such a good job together of Amanda gets on and like fangirls a little bit. And yeah is like, I know you from this, and, and then this is so cool that you do. And it gives me a little bit of time to just experience that little thing that's going on. And then it gives me this ability to just kind of dive in and say, like, well, I know this thing about you. And I think this thing is really cool. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? Yeah. Because it, it takes me a little bit of time to kind of
1: Especially when the guest Right well I've experienced that When the guest has been your get Like this guest was my get So I've been following her And I kind of knew her So it does make sense for me to jump in first But it's happened reverse with you When that guest has been your get Like you know where to start And you know what to like You know what I mean Yeah And then I'll observe Because I'm trying to soak them in too
0: And I think it's such a great We have a good job going back and forth And so let's High five High five Through the screen (laughs) Yeah. And so I, I like, okay, you guys need to start doing high fives to whatever uh, device you have. So practice your high fives to your iPod or your phone or your laptop or like, I don't know, Do you guys listen to you through your Alexa? I had to, we got an Alexa from my mother-in-law like a year and a half ago. And then I was like, mm, yes. it cannot be listening to me. So we unplugged <laughs> it like two weeks later. So I don't know if you guys use your Alexa. You can high five your through your Alexa or your car. So just start high-fiving whatever it is, the device you listen to. High-five. All right. Are we ready to hear Sarah M. Lyons and her very cool self? Yes. All right, guys. Here we are with Sarah M. Lyons.
1: Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli. And Kristen
0: Tweedale. And we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you.
1: Hi, Amanda. Hey, Kristen. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Amanda and Kristen. (gasps) Sarah M. Lyon. So excited to have you on Crafty Us Female. So we're back to interviewing Kristen, I guess.
0: (laughs) Well, been we're not while.
1: back to interviewing Kristen. That would be weird. We're back to interviewing comma, Kristen. <laughs> Commas are very important. It's like <laughs> yeah, that eat so. shoots, leaves thing. I've been teaching the kids that, and I didn't even pause, so you're right. <laughs> this is an audio show. You're right. Um. So, guys, all right, super fun. Today on the show, we have our guest, Sarah M. Lyons. What's the M stand for? Marie. You know. Yeah. Marie. Yeah. I love it. It's the most common I'm- middle name. <laughs> So fun. Sarah Marie. That's fun. Yeah. But the M.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, both Sarah and Lyons are both such common names that you really need a differentiator in there. There's a lot of us out there. So.
1: I love it. Good one. And it flows. Sarah M. Lyons. Like Jennifer Love Hewitt. (laughs) Oh, exactly. That's that's what I was going for. (laughs) Yeah. I love it so much. Okay. So artist, illustrator, product designer, magic girl, muralist. Yeah um Cute weirdo, you are the cutest thing ever. Oh, I'm used you. to seeing you with the green. Yeah. I think I followed you first with the green. Yeah. Uh, but you're my pink natural, now. Yeah, my
2: natural color green, but now I'm
1: yeah. experimenting
2: with pink for, for a while. So
1: good. So good. And yeah, you have the most awesome hair, the most awesome vibe, thank and you. we couldn't be happier to have you on the show. You are like crafty ass female to the max. So welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you very welcome. much for having me. That's
2: really nice yeah. of you guys. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, so you dabble in a lot of different things. Did I get them all Did I miss any
2: key one? No, I think you got it. Yeah, I'm an artist, illustrator, product designer, and a muralist. So that's yeah, pretty much uh, the umbrella under which I am trying to operate on a day-to-day basis.
1: Very fun. So anyone that wants to follow you, the best place would probably be Instagram. That's where I Yeah, yeah. I mostly I'm on
2: Instagram you. as an artist. Uh, I find that Instagram is where <laughs> I uh, I am best expressing myself and I'm just at Sarah M Lyons. I'm Sarah with no H, so that's S A R A M L Y O N S. And uh yeah, then so yeah, good. I don't really I don't really use Twitter that much anymore. I'm not really doing Facebook, it's mainly just Instagram. So we'll see if that changes in the future, but a girl
0: after my own social media yeah. heart. I literally, I'm going to interject here and be a weirdo and say, I literally wrote a state senator an email like right before we started recording because he sent an email saying, Hey, please like me on Facebook and Twitter. And I'm like, Mr. State Senator, I really appreciate that you sent me an email, but I don't do Twitter and Facebook anymore. So thanks for the email, but. not a facebook or twitter girl anymore get an instagram
2: sir yeah
0: get it get an instagram state senator jim i just wrote hi jim so get on instagram (laughs) get on ig bro that's what uh aoc does Yeah,
2: show us those stories show us what you're cooking
0: right show (laughs) us your garden and then everyone will tell you you're not watering your plants right (laughs) and then you'll learn how to water your plants better
2: yeah it's a symbiotic relationship state senator yeah,
1: I love it But I'll link to all your goodies So Instagram and Facebook So wherever anyone wants to find you You'll find it in the show notes um, But yeah You're so interesting And like your Instagram presence too Like your vibe I always say Is like It's positive But it's also grounded Like it isn't like Fruit fruit positive And like Instagram fit. Like I just love the vibe you put out on there thank you and your art of course (laughs) but like okay so right so your shop your talent your hair your vibe you're like the cutest ever Mm -hmm. i you're like my favorite instagram person thank you so much um so so yeah so how did sarah m lyons the brand, even though to say that, you know, gag me, but, I love it. but the Instagram presence kind of come to be, and what's your creative backstory? Yeah,
2: um, well, I have always kind of existed on this, in a kind of internet sphere, um, well before I was working as an illustrator and an artist, um, In my early 20s, I had a full-time job just doing administrative assisting at at an architecture firm uh, here in Southern California, and I had a fashion blog, so I was kind of at the beginning of like, this was in the early 2000s, like maybe 2006, 2007, Um, so I had already started building a community um, kind of based around aesthetics, I guess, for lack of a better term, but I didn't really have a direction. for myself as far as what I wanted to do as a career. Um, I always knew I really enjoyed creating art and making art. My mom is like, kind of, I grew up with my mom, um, letting, like making us make art as opposed to like playing with toys or anything like that. So it's always been a big part of my life, but I just never really considered it to be like a career. Um, but I was finding that my favorite aspect of running this fashion blog was like, was like making graphics and kind of creating like an aesthetic vibe and doing little illustrations and that became my primary focus so uh, during the recession I lost my office job um, and I was unemployed for probably almost three years Um, and during that time of unemployment I was struggling uh to find work and I was struggling really hard with my depression and my mental health and um I started using my art and illustration which had always just been a hobby as kind of an outlet for myself. And uh some of the illustrations that I was posting on at, at the time Tumblr was like the thing. And some of the illustrations that I was just posting on Tumblr started picking up a lot of traction and getting reblogged. Um, And then I started noticing like people were responding to the work that I was doing. And uh, so I was able to eventually kind of parlay that interest in the work that I was doing online into a online business. Um, And it started with me just figuring out what I could make at home cheaply Um, and it developed from there. Uh, So I have been working full time for myself as an artist illustrator, product designer since 2013 now. Um, and every year it has, you know, there's always, there's been a lot of growth since I was like, cutting out stickers individually in my apartment, um, but uh, it's still fundamentally a lot of it is very much the same too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's so 6 years pretty
2: much. Yeah, it's weird to to say that, but you know, it doesn't yeah. it feels uh it feels both like it's been a million years and it also feels like I said kind of very much the same sometimes day-to-day day as it did at 6 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Right.
0: What is your favorite part of the business aspect of
2: it? Um I don't love the business aspect of it. Um I'm I've never been like a business minded person. I'm not particularly good at math. I'm not particularly great with money. Um, I'm always like scrambling to get my taxes done. And like, I don't really um, know that much about the business aspect of things. I just know that I like to make things that I want to see. And I also know that I don't, (laughs) I don't really have any other options besides to keep this running. Um, is how I kind of look at it, and so for me, the business aspect of it is kind of a necessity. Um, I guess my favorite thing that I wouldn't expect from this career has been working with like larger brands and things like that. Things that like I never would have guessed for myself. You know, when I was like I said, cutting out stickers on my couch in my, uh, you know, when I was twenty seven. But uh, that comes with a whole new set of challenges. Um, so I always, like, the business aspect for me is just a gateway to be able to continue to create stuff that makes me happy.
1: I think that's a great answer. <laughs> and you would say that it's all been trial and error. Like, is there a special book that you read? Is there a seminar you went? Is it just been necessity? No, and, like, let me finish that no, in I, a moment.
2: I, <laughs> yeah, trial and error definitely is exactly what I would say. I can't say that there's any one specific thing like no definitely not a book or a seminar or a conference i have read books and i've been to seminars and i have been to conferences and i have watched videos and i have you know read articles and all of those things i think have been beneficial in some way or others but i couldn't point to any one i couldn't point to any one specific thing or any one specific moment where i was like that was it that's that's the moment bingo yeah and so for me I I guess uh I'm I consider myself to always be in a state of searching and um so I don't think at this point that I am ever ever going to find that like holy grail uh solution or or reach that holy grail moment of being like this is it but I also feel like it's about finding many of those small things and building them together into like something that you are climbing upon Yeah,
1: you did an Instagram post with that theme once And I like literally copied it verbatim and like gave you credit But like I remember you saying that like how you thought you'd be like arrived at one point And then you never really feel that But then like six years in you could probably think about like some years or like a time when you felt like it felt daunting But then looking back you're like, oh, I got through it Like and there's things like that like
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's for me, I'm very much perspective focused where, uh, I, am. I compare myself to, uh, to my peers. Um, and that can be both detrimental and aspirational. Um, okay. and I have to remind myself to let it be aspirational and not detrimental. Um, and so, when i think about oh i've been doing this for six years and this has been my work for six years i can look at other people for example that i've known for a long time who are in the same field who i would view as like astronomically more successful than myself and that would make me feel concerned about my direction but then i also know people that have been in the same field for as long as i have who are what i would consider to be still on the same level that i am where we all are doing sort of projects of a similar scope and and making a similar i guess uh being able to maintain a, a similar lifestyle i guess for lack of a better term um and i don't look at those people and think that they are losers <laughs> you know what i mean i think yeah. that they're awesome and successful and i'm proud of them so i try to remember like if i'm on that the level with these people i'm fine you know what i mean um but it's also hard to be like oh why am i not succeeding at the level of all of these other people who are succeeding you know much quicker um but it is that there's a lot of cliches that could be you know filled in at this point so you know I do kind of think of it as like being just on a constant journey and that it is um I think ultimately I guess a good thing to not be growing so quickly that it's not manageable um, and I'm definitely not growing so quickly that it's not manageable. <laughs> so yeah, I feel there. You know, there are always times when it feels scary to be self-employed and to be subsisting entirely on your own work. But there also are, you know, the majority of the times it feels very fulfilling and ex- uh, and a, like like a huge privilege too. You know what I mean? To to have enough people interested in what I do to have been able to at least eat out a living for as long as I have at this point and hopefully you know for the indefinite future because as I said I don't really have any other plans (laughs) so
1: yeah when I think I was gonna ask you like not a five-year plan because do you really need that I don't know but like I just I feel like you've grown already that it's just like to keep growing yeah thanks
2: um yeah. You know, yeah I think that uh it's like I said it's for it's all about having perspective and for me having been doing this for a while and having gone through a lot of um creative successes I guess um I have had people ask me like oh well what was your greatest success when was the moment that you, you made it um and to me I I don't know if this is uh a symptom of being self-critical or if this is something that everyone feels, I think it's probably a little bit of both where I don't feel that I have reached that moment, but I also don't feel that I ever will have a moment where I'm like, yes, this is it. I'm done. You know what I mean? This is what I've been working towards because as soon as you reach whatever exciting milestone you have been working toward, there's another one that's bigger and better. So I have never had a moment even in my most, um, achievements that have been most valuable to me and uh projects that I have been extremely proud of and like projects that I was like I can't believe I had the opportunity to do that that's so cool and I'm so proud of myself I have never been able to be like when I get those things in the moment I am never like jumping in the air and you know popping open a bottle of champagne I'm always kind of being like okay I hope I can keep this momentum going you know and and I think is just um I think that personality trait is common in this uh not industry because it's not really an industry but in this like business
1: <laughs> yeah and it's we've interviewed a bunch of like self-employed like working artists and creators or whatever and like that's so it, it really is about perspective because from the outside looking at you you're we're just like ah oh, accomplishment accomplishment like there's no way to go but up but like you know and it, it's funny to hear everyone kind of say the same thing we're like like, you think, oh, yes, I w- look at look how cool she made a mural. That mural's awesome. Like, once I make a mural, like, I'll feel like that. Like, and then you never really yeah, feel, yeah, like, feel the impact. Amazing. And you know how much work it is, and we technically don't see that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you totally. know, like, we see.
2: You know, and it also, it, it is valuable to have people who are in a position of of what is perceived to be more success or whatever than yourself. Because then when you talk to them... They also feel that way, you know, and it is like, oh, well, no matter what happens, like, you are kind of always going to be striving toward the next great thing, I think. And that, I'm sure, is in any field, not just
1: creative fields. I would yeah. I would hope, anyway. You know? It's like gr- the field of growing. Yeah, up. yeah. <laughs> yeah like, being a, um, like a successful, evolving human. Yeah. Right, yeah. That's a big theme on the show. Cause yeah. <laughs> And with growth this season, too. Yeah. We're kind of focusing on it.
0: Yeah, I'd love to hear about the journey of making small products that you can get into people's hands that are accessible and the desire to create insanely large paintings (laughs) that massive amounts of people can see one piece of art can you tell me like what are the similarities in creating art like that and what are the differences and what draws you to both types of art
2: yeah it is it is funny because it it definitely does feel like there is not a lot of middle ground with my work at least right now where it's like it's really small or it's really big Um, And I struggle sometimes with being like, why can't I just paint like a regular painting? You know what I mean? (laughs) That is actually really difficult for me. Um, But I never uh, anticipated working large scale and painting murals. It kind of was something that it sounds so it it was really just fell into my lap. Um, My husband is an uh, accomplished muralist and uh, grew up in the graffiti scene. And he has... like you know decades of skill as a large scale painter under his belt and he does that as part of his job and so uh in 2016 we my husband and I uh had been working periodically with a gallery that was at the time run out of our town here in Anaheim um and they had access to a bunch of huge walls and they wanted to have a bunch of their roster a bunch of people in their roster of artists knock out these walls um and they offered me a wall and I remember saying to my husband like I don't I'm not even a painter I'm an illustrator um I can paint kind of uh but I draw and I work I do I draw by hand and I do a lot of digital work and I'm not a confident painter um and I said to him he was like this person is offering you this you know she wants to know if you want to take one of these walls and it was huge it was the biggest wall to this day that I painted um and I was like, I can't, I've never done that before. Like I can't for my first wall, a giant public wall that all, that is in a mall across the street from Disneyland that thousands of people will see like <laughs> that is, um, and it wasn't paid. It was just like, it was a kind of a donation thing. And it was like an opportunity, you know what I mean? Um, and I was like, there's no way I can do this. And he was like, yes, you can. Um, and he, like I said, is really accomplished and he can create like a, a scene that is to scale that is beautifully shaded, you know, and like a whole kind of just one giant scene. And I thought to myself, like how I, if I try to do something like that, someone's eye is going to be 10 times the size of their mouth. And this one's going to be over here and it's just going to look wild. And I just felt so freaked out. And he just said, I, at the, at the time, um, and still I have always been kind of known in my work for working with a lot of little glyphs, um, I have done a lot of nail decals and sticker sheets and things like that that use a lot of small images that are kind of similar to emojis that can kind of collect and tell a story with each other or stand alone on their own. And he said, why don't you just try doing a bunch of your glyphs because then it feels less intimidating. You're painting things that you already know. Um, You're not trying to do something new and scale it out. It's manageable. And I remember I was so anxious um, for like a week leading up to this week that I had to paint this wall um, because I was so afraid I was going to mess it up. And then as soon as I got there, I was like, this is so it came it came really naturally to me. I was like, this is so shockingly easy. It's so much easier for me to work huge and it just, it, 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 it suddenly, it, it fell, it came together really quickly and I actually finished the wall way faster than I expected. Um, and my husband even had been like, before we went out on the wall, he had been like, Oh, I'm going to help you. Like if you need help or assistance, like I'm going to be there also working on my wall across the way, you know? And then I didn't ever need any help at all. And he, even
1: I love that. How's
2: your wall going? My wall's going good. My wall's finished. But uh, yeah, so it was, it was really surprising to me. And also it was the week after Trump got elected and I was really, situ- I had a very bad situational depression. Um, and it, there was something extremely therapeutic. I'm like getting reclumped. Um There was something yeah. really therapeutic about um, being disconnected from anything else except for having this plan that I had drawn out in front of me and listening to just like old podcasts that weren't talking about anything current. And it was a full week of just like being really immersed in this experience that was so fulfilling. And then when I was finished with it, to see the immediate response from people felt wonderful. And I felt like I, you know, I felt validated that what I had done like made people happy and it made people feel positive. Um, And that is always kind of what I have strived to do with my work. is to just, like, for it to be fun and to feel good um, and to, like, be a little bit silly and sometimes, like, a little bit weird, but, like, fun and, like, kids can like it and, like, but it can still feel edgy and just this whole, the experience, like, was so great and it just immediately, I think, because the wall itself, like, was so um, friendly to, like, the type of person that loves to come to Disneyland, People started making, the, they would walk across the street from Disneyland to this mall where this wall was and take an Instagram picture and so it started circulating on Instagram and so I started getting opportunities to take on more uh, mural projects. Um, and so that's been, yeah, I'm now in my third year of doing murals, so I'm actually I'm planning a, a Minnesota Omaha and paint one for a what is what the fancy way to say is a private collector, but that really just means a friend of mine is having me paint one for her in her house. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so I've been lucky now that this through this just random opportunity from a friend that I was able to. <coughs> turn it into a new (laughs) facet of my career that has been, like, now that I love and is so fulfilling and is one of my favorite things that I get
0: to do. That must be so... Like, knowing how long it takes for a product to be developed and then get into the hands of the people buying the product, Uh and then, like, if you're painting murals in a public place, people are consuming that immediately.
2: Uh Yeah, there's no middle ground. Yep. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's damn
1: but to know all the doubt and anxiety beforehand and then to see the finished mural and me going like she owned that yeah. like she and like that week it. too you know I mean? oh my god yeah and like to think to be on the outside and think like you had that plan from the get and of course you'd make that <laughs> mural and it totally makes sense like and to hear that you didn't know yeah and you were struggling with that that's amazing yeah i think amazing story yeah
2: so like <laughs> it has been wild and it's so now that 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 style has kind of become like a bit of like my signature mural style um which I call now my sticker sheet style because it looks like a big sticker sheet but i am also now learning to move away from um, only working in that style and i am learning to like work a little bit larger scale and i have had opportunities a lot recently to assist other artists on their murals which i love because it's almost even more therapeutic than painting your own mural because it's just Following someone, else. it's like paint by numbers, and it's awesome. Um, and but it also has been helpful because it's been able. I've been able to learn new skills. Um, a friend of mine, Allison Bamcat, just painted a mural, um, and I was able to assist her on. So I got to learn how to use spray cans, which I have never been good at, and now I'm able to incorporate that into like what I'm doing. And uh, so, yeah, it's I, it's mirror any like with any skill. This is a skill that I don't consider myself to be an expert in by any means. I know that I can do what I can do um which is like I said like a a simple fun sticker sheet style you know mural with that appeals to that I can tell any story with you know what I mean and that is what is fun about that style I think but also now I know that I can do it and I can do it in whatever time I'm given um I have done uh, a couple years ago, I painted one for an eBay commercial and they said, you got to get this done from start to finish in three hours. You know what I mean? And it's got to be perfect because it has to, it's, it's all time-lapse. So you see the blank wall and then you see the finished product and it's got to be done. You know, so I've, and just this past week, I painted one at a Erewhon um, market, which is in Venice here in uh, the West side in LA, um, which is again, they're like, we got to start at nine and you have a hard out at noon. And it's, it's scary because you have to get it done but I'm learning now how long it takes me I'm getting more confident and it's just the same as anything else where like there was a time when I was unsure about delivering a production file to a manufacturer you know five years ago and now that is just second nature to me and it's the same thing now where if someone tells me this wall is you know 12 feet nine inches and it's uh, wide and it's seven you know and a half feet high I can say I can do that in two days you know, and it's, and that feels good, and it also, it, I hope to continue to not only get better at that, but, like, learn other skills that I can apply, so, yeah, so that's been a journey, much like my entire, my entire career has been a series of, um, like, stumbling up the stairs, and sometimes stumbling back down, and then stumbling back up, but, uh, it's almost all been just opportunities, and, and being, you know, being fortunate to often be at the beginning of something, I guess.
1: And I like what you said One of my favorite things You just said before was um, I know what I can do Like there's something So magical about starting there And I think where we get confused Is like Like me and Kristen Like we knew what we could do With this podcast And that's so That's what you have to do Like I think so often we like we see what other people do and then we think it has to be that or we have to strive for this like uber talent that we don't have yet. Yeah. But if you just do what you can do, but then take opportunities that are scary and bigger than what you're used to doing. Yeah. It's like that's where it kind of comes together. Yeah. Like you have to do what you can do in an unfamiliar setting. I mean, just like figure
0: out the next step yeah.
1: as it comes. Yeah. yeah. But I feel so often people mistake that they have to do something other than what they can do. But that's not exactly the formula. And I think
2: that, I mean, I fall into that trap all the time because I say it, I tell people all the time, I know and I have no illusions about that I am not like the most technically skilled illustrator and there are people who can draw hands better than me and there are people who can draw women better than me and there are, you know, and there are people who can draw anything that I can draw better than me. And I know that I'm not an oil painter, you know, and I know that I am not a beautiful, photorealistic portrait, you know, charcoal (laughs) portraitist or whatever, but I know that I can draw cute, you know, fun illustrations and they are that someone is responding to that. And I do fall into the trap of looking at, for example, of a friend's gorgeous oil painting or like someone's beautiful fiber art or airbrushing or embroidery or literally anything. I am so fortunate to have just hundreds of extremely talented artist friends and I'll see what other people are doing and be like, yes, that is what I want to do. And then you sit down and you're like, I don't paint well with guac, you know, like, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, You know, there's nothing wrong with doing what you are good at and knowing what you are good at. And I think it's value. I think there's a you have to toe the line a little bit because I do think that it's easy also to fall into a trap of being like, my thing is drawing ghosts and I only draw ghosts. You know what I mean? And I, and I can see that in like myself at times, you know what I mean? Where it would be, it can be very easy to be like, these are my things that I draw here. They are, you know, and, and I don't want to be stuck in a rut where I only am doing, you know, for example, digital illustrations that are stickers and nail details forever. Um, but I also don't wanna just be doing, like I said, I don't want to always be doing a sticker sheet mural. I wanna be growing and doing other stuff. And I wanna but I always wanna be incorporating those things that have become my signatures into the next thing that I'm doing. So I think that is what is important and when it comes to growing as an artist, is just staying true to yourself. It's not about necessarily being the best at something it's just about being the best at being you and and being the best at what you are creating and feeling like what you are creating is authentic to yourself I guess um and that can be really hard especially with like Instagram and stuff where you are feeling pressured to create stuff that has good engagement and that is on trend. um (laughs) but there your audience I always I have a lot of like young this sounds funny because it's like I don't think I'm like that old but like I'm 33 I have a lot of young <laughs> young people that like send me emails who are like just out of school or still in high school and want to know like how can I you know they perceive me to be successful which I'm always like please shoot higher <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but uh, like please or but you know also if I'd gotten started earlier maybe who knows but I always say to people that if you don't I don't think it's worth it to try and find to do stuff that appeals to an audience that already exists because your audience will find you Um, and whatever you are doing appeals to somebody you know and so if you are like I said doing the work that feels most authentic to you and always applying the things that feel authentic to you as you grow as a creator then that audience will continue hopefully to find you and also grow with you you know and also it's okay if you lose some of those people along the way because you have to continue
0: to grow yes and like those people maybe necessarily weren't the best fit for you anyway like maybe they were when you were selling yeah. whatever it is you were selling at the beginning mm-hmm. but maybe they just don't need whatever it is that you're selling now yeah. and maybe they will eventually yeah. down the line
2: yeah a- absolutely I t- <laughs> You know, I think now, especially in the age of like, oh, the algorithm on Instagram and everyone being like, my followers, my followers, you know, and it's like, yeah, um, it can feel very like, yikes, this is my income that relies, you know, that this is relying on. But it's also like, ultimately, the people that are engaged and that are into what you're doing are going to be there. Um, and it's, yeah. I am always trying to remind myself of as I am being like, oh, my followers, like, uh, you know, but um But I would rather have, you know, a small group of people that are really, really interested than a large group of people who are like, "Eh," you know.
0: Right, exactly. Um, Like, it's always about, I've been doing so much of this, like, I call it, I I don't know if anyone else talks about it this way. (laughs) I like to think of it as hard business and soft business. Hard business is, like, actual economics, actual marketing. Like, I can't do, like, for my business, I run a feminist scrapbooking membership site. So I have a really hard time putting together my ideal client profile because, like, my ideal client is, like, any woman who wants to be an intersectional feminist and tell her story. Mm -hmm. And then if I go any deeper down, like a corporate list, it doesn't make sense because we're like anti-corporatist. So to make a list that is defined by corporatism is literally antithetical to the values of my business. And so like soft business would be like philosophy Mm -hmm. and like the values of business ethics. Oh, this is going to oh my God. No, we're literally all the same age. Billy Madison. <laughs> um, also, have you seen The West Wing?
2: I'm I'm only like somewhat acquainted. I was not into. I'm not big on. I wasn't big on TV until very recently.
0: <laughs> okay, so the guy from Billy Madison is the bad guy, in Billy Madison is Josh from The West Wing, okay. which makes it funnier. <laughs> um, so the guy on billy madison gets the business ethics question wrong because he's like the worst business right. ethics i remember person billy ever.
2: madison
0: <laughs> so um yeah like that's the thing is like i think when i see like a business like yours and the business like that i'm trying to have where we but understand that our customers are actual like human beings that are going to come in and out of our lives and not just you know numbers on the Instagram owned by Facebook algorithm uh-huh. that like those soft business values really shine through and it's important for us to talk about them because when we do the things that like those of us who have somehow stumbled into owning businesses in our early 30s because that's somehow a thing that happens when you <laughs> you know
2: yeah,
0: are a millennial and this is our lives. Yeah,
2: economy.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Right? Like, it's just... This is what they've saddled us yeah. with. And Thank you.
1: You're pumped with hard business things, is what you're saying. It's like, that's what they pump you with. Right.
0: I think it's just still really important that we talk to ourselves as women, business women, and say, like, hey, our values are still important. Yeah. Like And I think that, like, the stuff that I wanted to really compliment you on is the way that you've handled yourself as a businesswoman when insane corporations Mm -hmm. have just decided that they could steal your art (laughs) and say well we're corporations what are you going to do about it
2: yeah (laughs) thanks yeah um
1: let's go there
2: (laughs) uh well that you know um i have this is something. It's funny. So when I said that I have been doing this full time since two thousand thirteen, um, I have also been struggling with having my work ripped off by various corporations, um, the, none of which I will name for legal reasons. Um, since two thousand thirteen, uh, the very the very first illustrations that helped to launch my career still continue to this day to be just counterfeited on a basis that is just I it's absolutely wild um uh art theft in general is a very common thing right now but um and i am not bragging in any way when i say that i do not know anybody that has had more counterfeits than i have um and that it does not really have a sign of stopping um so yeah it's uh so it's there's um you know, multiple huge corporations, like you said, um, and also thousands of uh, tiny businesses, lots of people that don't realize that they are, that you can't just like cut, you know, copy and paste stuff off the internet and and iron it onto a t-shirt and sell it. And then there's a third wing of um, manufacturers that um, are selling like counterfeit products on websites like Wish and AliExpress um, and those things you can't even compete with because they are they are based in other countries you don't know who they're run by you have no way of getting in touch with them you have no way of overseeing this there's no there's nothing you can do except hope that if you you know complain to the website that is putting these things on sale that they will do something about it but if one gets removed another one will go up so I have been dealing with this for a really long time. And the first time that it happened, weirdly, the very first time that it happened to my knowledge was a pretty large company that had stores and malls all over the world, not just in the United States, but Europe and uh, South America as well. Um, and I, at the time, I had just started my business. I was barely making ends meet. I was still working part time answering phones at, um, at, my, at my, my husband's company. Um, well, not his company, the company that he works for. And it felt like completely something that i had no knowledge of how to handle it was a huge huge company like i said that was in all these stores and it was as if when i googled them i realized quickly that this was something that they were known for um that this was not the first time that they had stolen art from an artist and then kind of like not really made it right um And it was very hard to get in touch with anyone at the company. It was as if they had purposely tried to shield themselves from being contacted because they were trying to protect themselves. Um, And I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know, I didn't understand anything about how lawyers work, you know, or anything like that. And I just, I don't even remember how I found my, I think a friend of a friend was like, Oh, uh, my attorney helped me with a similar case. You know, he's not really a copyright attorney, but he knows just how to deal with this. And it was like, it was just a crazy thing where I thought like I was going to have to pay thousands of dollars to stop this from happening. Um, and the, and I had posted about it on my Instagram. And so people were, the news was picking up and people were going on the brands accounts and calling them out and that was bringing fans of the brand to my account to call me out and tell me that I was lying and it was just all this wild stuff because the shirt that was being sold literally had my handwriting on it it just felt so strange I went into a store in Newport Beach and bought it you know um and it was so weird and at the time and that's it's weird to think about and you know long story short that that whole thing only was settled it took three years Um, for that to get settled and that is that is status quo I would say in all of the cases that I have been involved with none of them have been resolved in less than I would say a year and a half is the shortest so um, but now I know now I have had this happen so many times and it has happened it has become so high profile and I have been involved in so many high profile cases that now I have an attorney that is great at this Um, and who is vested in, you know, keeping, keeping this stuff under control. Um, but it is something that I really had to learn how to handle because when this first one happened, it overtook my whole life. I was, I couldn't sleep. I'm already so prone to anxiety and depression. And it just, it felt like something that was insurmountable at the time. And it, and you know, my, uh, my now husband, my boyfriend at the time, he was, like, he, I was, like, impossible to live with. I was crying all the time. I was, like, flying off the handle every day. I was on my phone constantly just, like, looking at notifications, answering emails, trying to clap back at every commenter. You know what I mean? And it's so exhausting. And it's I now talk a lot sometimes when this does happen. everyone once in a while, I'll talk about it on Instagram um, still to this day. It is so emotionally exhausting after a certain amount of time that it is – I have learned – when it is worth it for me to engage with this kind of thing and when it is worth it for me to not engage. Um, Now, I never engage. If it is something that I think I can pursue legally, I send it to my lawyer. And if it is something that, if it's like, for example, It's unfortunate, you know, it's not a good precedent, but if it's, for example, someone that bought a bunch of counterfeits of one of my pin designs off like Wish or something and is selling them on their Instagram or on their Depop or on their Etsy or in their, you know, brick and mortar retail store, you know, in another country that I'll never be able to get to and check up on. I just have to let that stuff go because if I went after every person that is profiting off of my counterfeited work, it would be more than a full-time job. And that doesn't pay me, you know? So at the end of the day, all it does is expend my emotion and expend my frustration. And it's sad when you think about the fact, like I have often bemoaned how much money other people have made off of my
1: work. Um, But so unethical and and, and, you
2: know and like I said it's not just me there's hundreds of people that this is happening to and and I'm sure anyone that is engaged with like the independent artist community on Instagram I'm sure has seen this from multiple artists and everyone handles it in their own way um I know people that handle it very differently than I handle it I respect everyone's way that they want to handle it for me like I said I'm fortunate now to have a good lawyer that works with me and knows what to look out for excuse me and uh, and I'm not interested in engaging with like tiny Instagrams and I'm not, um, one of my rules of thumb is that if, if, they have, if someone has less than 10,000 followers and they're trying to profit off my work, they can try because I understand how Instagram works right now. You know what I mean? And if I, if I can't sell these pins, they can't, you know? So, um, which is maybe misguided. And again, everyone handles this stuff differently. I have chosen for my own mental health, to disengage. I get a lot of people who are very well-meaning who send me DMs and Instagram messages and, you know, emails telling me, like, this person is selling counterfeits, this person is. And and I always really appreciate that when people send that my way. But for the most, for 90% of the stuff that people send me, there's just nothing I can do about it. Um, And so it's not worth it to me anymore to get worked up about it. Um, I... There's a really good documentary called "To Inform and Delight," and it is about Milton Glazer, who um, is a one of the most famous graphic designers. And he designed I Heart New York, <laughs> which everyone knows. And um, I think I forget the exact uh, the exact story, but they talk about in this documentary that he was paid something like two hundred dollars or something for that design. And that's it. And he has no, and he has just, he, you know, technically he, he or whoever had paid him for that design does own the copyright under the way the copyright law works. I'm not sure if it would apply to that because it's text actually. But either way, he has, he was bemoaning in this documentary seeing just this design everywhere, constantly bastardized in every possible way made so many people have been profiting off it and how crazy that felt to him. And then, but he was then at this point it had been years and he was so zen about it. And it's like, at the end of the day, I guess I can only hope that these things, my whatever, forever and best buds are my, are New York. And like in 40 years, I'll still be seeing it at on a wallet at the liquor store, which is something <laughs> that I just saw a couple weeks ago, which is it's so wild. Um, and I can just like, have did you really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh,
0: oh, yeah. Have, uh- I had to just, it, you just walked into the liquor yeah. and it was there. I just
2: walked into the, I was on my, I walk everywhere because my husband and I share our car. I walked to grab a water a couple weeks ago. And this has happened more than once, actually, just in like a random like mom and pop little market. Um, and there's wallets there that just are covered in uh, a fabric print. they look cute. You know what I mean? Like I would buy one <laughs> and they have just a fabric print of um, every single sticker that I designed for an app a couple years ago so someone just went in this app and just you know and it's like probably whoever did that and it's one of those things where it's like and then you know this is something that was produced overseas in a factory and sold for probably i know how much this stuff costs when they are selling it you know it's probably a dollar um each maybe um to you know the fashion district and then the guy who owns the store went down to santee alley to buy the cute stuff that he puts up for impulse buys like keychains and little carded earrings and stuff and was like a buck each well i'll take a hundred you know what i mean and it's like yeah it's why wouldn't you you know um it's wild and then and so there's that there's walking to forever 21 you know and see stuff that is inspired by your work you know and there are things a lot of times like i said forever 21 inspired by you see stuff where you're like that is what i that's my art it's just that they grew it enough that they can get away with it you know what i mean and and that's and it's it is what it is you know um so like i said uh the way that i handle it is i respect how anyone else wants to handle it for me i disengage i never ever try and handle it directly i just direct people to my well i direct my attorney to anything that i think is worth pursuing and anything else i just kind of like I'll I'll complain to my husband or stump every once in a while, maybe pout on Instagram and then I'll move on. And again, I'm not, there is, I don't know that that's the best way to deal with it, <laughs> but I don't know.
0: I think it, it has to be though. Like, you're um. only, like, that's the best, I think that's the best way to approach it as a businesswoman because like, you only have a certain amount of hours in a week. Yeah. You have to do your work. You can only, you know, you need to, make money and if you're not making money from these people on instagram who are you know if you're not going to get any like return on this stuff then that's not money making businesswoman decision making that's
2: how i look at it now with my attorney (laughs) it's like unless i can milk these people for whatever they can give me and most people you can't you know there's no way so exactly Not someone that is actually worth of you know someone where i know because at the end of the day if you are a large company and you are making products that have my artwork on them hear me now i am coming for you and your money and i will get that yes i am getting that money all the time you know what i mean good for you come it will take me 4 years but i will get that money from you i don't care how much of a jerk your attorney is i don't care how many times you try to overturn my settlements i will get that money like That's just how I look at it because it's like, like I said, if you go somewhere and something is copied, but it is not an exact copy, I throw my hands up and I'm like, that sucks, but there's nothing I can do. But if I go into a store and I see what I know unequivocally is my artwork because I know what my artwork looks like, and then someone tries to tell me, oh, no, that's not your artwork... I look forward to then taking that person's money one day. You know what I mean? But again, well, that's your money. Exactly. So it's that's at the end of the day. Unless it's a situation like that where it's I know it's a corporation where at the end of the day they have already made so much money probably off this stuff Mm -hmm. to them. I think a lot of brands operate under the assumption um, that a people won't notice. B, if they do notice, they will not know how to handle it. And C, if they do know how to handle it, by that point, it it will be a pittance to them as opposed to what they made, you know? So that's the big thing. They're They're counting on A and B and hoping it never gets to C. And then when it gets to C, they're going to try as hard as they can to disprove it. But like I said, I know when I have a case. That's the other thing is like, I know a lot of people who have have had stuff that is obviously inspired by, you know, their work. and, And it's like, that sucks to have stuff copied, but if it's not, I know when it's a case, you know what I mean? And there's a lot of times when it's not. And it's like I said, people will send me a drawing that looks like my drawing, you know, but someone else drew it. So that's not a case. They can do that, you know?
1: And I think this whole thing is it's important To put up the fight Like I That's what I'm getting from you Like I feel like As a woman And like as the type of woman I am That's always like Oh no it's okay It's alright You know like I'm learning To adapt to more of that Like self-preservation behavior When it's warranted Like not all the time And not going crazy But like It is so important To stand up for what is right And stand up what you know Like you deserve like. So I appreciate well, hearing you know, that from it's you. Like,
2: like. It's like I said. There's a it's a happy medium of of standing up and being aggressive about things, but also knowing when it is worth it to do that because it's not right. worth it to be aggressive with right. the owner. You know, um, that's a whole other thing I could get into. But like you know, it's it's more worth it for stores like Etsy. For I'm sorry, not stores, but websites like Etsy and eBay and Amazon to have a better system of checks and balances in place because it shouldn't be the artist's responsibility to protect their work when it is already protected by copyright. It should be the responsibility of the companies that are profiting off of the people that are selling these counterfeits, especially when they are doing it under the guise of being like, we support artists. Um, To not have a system in place where it's easy to remove things like that or literally employ a human who can look out for things like that you know then it's that is ultimately my my goal or not goal because i'm not doing it's not my it's not it's not my job you know what i mean but my dream would be that brands i mean again websites like etsy and ebay and any aggregate selling site would take more responsibility for their part in perpetuating this problem um because that would be the thing that would really help to stop it. And that is not going to happen because they, you know, want to want to have their cut of those profits as well, I think. So that's unfortunate, you know, <laughs> but, um, but that it's at the end of the day, it's like, you have to understand what, how much energy you want to put into this kind of thing. I'm not, you know, I can't be responsible for, going after every person that reposts my drawing without crediting me, like even if it's on an account with a million followers, you know what I mean? Unless I can get money from them for this, it's not worth it to me. Like you said, it's taking money away from me to anything right. on that.
0: You have a job. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, so it's, it's unfortunate, but it's also, it's part of the landscape of working in the digital sphere. Um, and it's part of, you know, uh, the most positive way you could look at it, I guess, is like, it, you must be doing something right, you know? Um, yeah. At this point, for me, I'm like, am I still doing something right? Because people continue to only rip off things from 5% Um So, but it also, yeah, I mean, part of the reason that, that that is true also is because I learned to adjust what I was doing to not be so easily stolen from. So, I don't share as much of my work. I don't share as much, like, I don't share as many easily rippable, you know, high res files on the internet. Like, I don't, I don't share what I'm working on. I don't share, you know what I mean? Um, So I have, and I think a lot of people have taken that into account when they consider how they share what they're creating on social media now is like being conscious of like it not being ripped from you. So.
0: Yeah. Totally. Okay. So we have had a really couple of good growth questions so far. But this season's theme is all about growth. And do you have any more advice, pieces of advice, or things that you'd like to talk about on growth or ways that you've grown personally, professionally? Um, Or I know another fun thing that people have been doing is talking about ways that they've grown as artists from when they were little kids. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so tell me something fun about a way that you've grown since you've started on your creative path.
2: Um, it's so funny because it's kind of like what I said earlier, where I don't always look at um, achievements as being achievements, um, but i I don't know if you guys are familiar with the moving rocks in Death Valley. Um, no, I think it's Death Valley, and I'm sure someone who knows more about this than me will hear this and be like, "She's really wrong about this." But um, <laughs> if you can Wikipedia it, look up moving rocks, and you can find something about this. Basically, there are these rocks in the desert. I want to say it's Death Valley or Death Valley adjacent um, that move, but they move so slowly because something to do with the climate and the slope of the, you know, something. That I'm not a scientist. I don't know what it's about. But these rocks, because <laughs> of the um, landscape and the way that the sand and the winds and stuff are they move but at an imperceptible pace um so you would never you could sit and and watch them for hours or days and never notice but then if you watched a time-lapse video and you can look these up online um, if you watch a time-lapse video over time you will see that they are moving and they leave a little trail behind them and it is like and so i i have often compared myself to the moving rocks (laughs) where I'm moving so slowly and imperceptibly that I don't notice it. But then when I step back and look at what I have done, I, I'm like, oh, I started over there. Um, and so, and like I said, someone is beating their speaker being like, that is not how those rocks work. But I love it. The analogy. I've imagined it yeah. <laughs> the analogy That's important. And so that is, um, that's something that I think about a lot when it comes to growth is that because I am very critical of myself and I do often feel like I should be farther along something that I um I don't know if this is something I didn't I ha- I didn't go to college I have a high school education only and so I don't know if this is something that people who have gone to college do but for me I often think of things in terms of high school four years is one high school um and so for example like if I've known someone for four years I'm like I've known you for a full high school, like we were busted <laughs> and now we're graduating. Um, and so when I think about that in terms of my career, sometimes I think about other people that I have known, for example, and like, oh, I knew her five years ago, and now she's getting her PhD and I am being held back and I still still feel like I'm a junior in high school. So I always think about that analogy too, and that can freak me out as far as growth, but then it's like, but this is not high school, (laughs) you know? Four years no longer means high school, and there is not a set amount of time when you need to have something done. Um, And everyone grows at a different pace. So that's something else I think about when it comes to growth a lot, and I have to challenge myself not to think about things in terms of being like, God, another four years, and I'm still doing the same thing, Um, because again, like the moving rocks, if I turn back and see myself four years ago, clearly I was not doing the same thing. So that's my other thing about growth. And then my last thing about growth, and this will be my last bullet point, is um, I'm very – I I really like the tarot and esoteric themes, and I use that a lot in my work. And I'm working on a tarot deck right now, and I'm working with the tarot a lot right now. And my soul card, which is a numerological thing, is the Wheel of Fortune, which is number ten, and that is a card that is also kind of, I think, about growth because it is about how uh, you are constantly turning. And so, um, in the card that is illustrated by uh, Pixie Coleman, and in like the deck that everyone thinks of, there is like a kind of a creature type glorious creature at the top of this wheel perched and glorious among the heavens um, but then you think about like well what happens when the wheel turns you know what i mean thing can't always be at the top but it, and then down at the bottom there's like a kind of an anubis symbolism so it's like well here's the dark times not gonna turn and this guy's gonna be at the top and i always think so ultimately growth is also a wheel because you are going to have your highs and your lows and you are going to be like the glorious blue glittering sphinx at the top of the wheel, but you are also going to be like snatched by Anubis and be feeling like you are at like the depths of, you know, rock bottom, but then the wheel will turn back. So it's, that's a, something I think about a lot uh I've been you know there's been a lot of transitional stuff in my personal life you know these past few months too and so it's something that I keep in mind of just being like wow things feel like we're just at the bottom of this wheel you know but like that also means it is going to turn back so you know for me it's just another part of having perspective
1: I so identify with all of (laughs) them We've mentioned that a lot, like this the the cyclical yeah. nature, not like you know, as a yeah, to the cyclical
0: to- nature of growth. That like you can't, growth is not linear. Yeah, and to it's think of growth as anything. I don't know
2: if you guys, um, if you guys follow Adam J K. Adam Kurtz, um, is an illustrator yeah. and author, and a friend of mine, um, who I love and who has a lot does a lot of work on this theme. But he has a very famous illustration that he just reposted recently and it's a rainbow. And then at the bottom of the left side of the rainbow, it says then, and at the bottom of the right side of the rainbow, it says now, and that's very sweet. And then in the comments of this post, someone had said, I just feel like I'm stuck in the then side and I wanna be on the now side, something along those lines. And Adam responded in his comment said, the twist is that this is actually only half of the illustration and the rainbow is a full circle. And it's like, yeah, totally. Like you're always in a venera now, you know? And I thought that was so profound and it's like, uh, that's something I love about Instagram is like, sometimes the message is like hidden, you know, in the comments. And like, and that's also a testament to like just Adam's thoughtfulness and like intelligence, you know what I mean? And just like that he is always thinking about, you know, and I think every artist on some level is considering that at all times because you are in a cycle of creation.
1: Yeah. His work is awesome. I love it. Oh my gosh, so good. So I think we'll try to wrap this up with like a currently round, yeah, and then we'll head over to after chatter. So yes, this is based off of Kristen's currently car that you can find at areyoukristen.com/slash currently, and people can get it for free if they want. Um, But yeah, so we just orally do it on the podcast. You ready?
2: Yes. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay.
1: Okay, so what are you currently watching? Um, I have
2: now watched over, I think I'm on my fourth watch of Netflix's I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson, which is fairly new. Um, It is so stupid and so funny. It's sketch comedy, and it's just absurdist, and, like, every time someone comes over to our house, my husband and I just put it on, and people just, like, stare. It is so funny and so ridiculous. Um, I just it's uh he's so funny so then because of that we also have been watching detroiters the sitcom that he stars in the there's a couple of seasons and it's so good and so funny so if you just want to like lol at something very stupid i very much recommend i think you should leave on netflix
1: okay good to and
0: know. like everyone is in it oh my god it is just filled is with I mean, everyone i
2: watched,
0: it. I watched the oh, first two of it them is so
2: funny i just like i it's so stupid it's so funny <laughs> I love it. Good one. Okay, what are you currently reading? Um, I actually haven't started it yet because I'm flying to Omaha on Saturday, so I'm saving it for when I get on the plane. But Orange World by Karen Russell is a book of short stories. It just came out earlier this month. She wrote St. Lucie's Home for Girls Raised by Wolves, which is a few years old, and it is a book of short stories that are so – affecting and amazing she like just weaves a beautiful universe and she also wrote a novel called swamplandia that is great she just is so great at creating a world and i love i love short stories um i love a fictional short story i love a woman writing a short story and she's like awesome so i'm saving it for the plane um and i'm really excited to read it
1: nice What are you currently listening to? Um,
2: I am, like I said earlier, I'm a big podcast person. Um, I, right now, I am, this is such a neat thing, but I love theme parks. I live in Anaheim in the shadow of the Matterhorn here at Disneyland <laughs> and also often visit Knott's Berry Farms. I'm a big theme park enthusiast and I listen to a podcast called Podcast The Ride which is uh, three trapless men in their 30s just discussing theme parks and theme park ephemera and theme park nostalgia in like minute detail. And they are all kind of like comedy adjacent and very funny. And they often have lots of like comedy guests. And if you really want like a deep dive into something like the Star Trek experience in Vegas in the late 90s, it's like an excellent, very, again, just I really enjoy like a stupid pop culture deep dive. And it's I love it.
1: Is it important that they're topless? Oh, I'm sorry. I did not. I, <laughs> I said childless. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. I heard her say childless,
2: Amanda. Oh, I
1: heard topless. I'm <laughs> like, Just live for a podcast it'd be an important detail that they had no shirts on. I,
2: I think now I'm always gonna imagine them topless when I listen to it. <laughs> I was, like, is that part I was of it?
0: gonna say that would be like you're not allowed to go on rides topless. No. <laughs>
2: Maybe water ride, well, but yeah. Waiting. So it's yeah, a neat true. thing, like that's I lovely. said. That's so they are not. I mean, they could be topless. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. So
1: that's yeah, great. I wouldn't um, know. I you did ask for anyone else that heard that. that sounds, you're welcome that for that hilarious. question.
2: Yeah. yeah, like I said, I'm a neat podcast person, so it's like something that just appeals. To, once I tried to get my husband to listen to it, and he was like, "This is not for me." <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just like cracking up. Uh, yeah, so there's that. <laughs> that's my current fave.
1: So interesting. And Okay, so what are you currently making?
2: Um, I am <laughs> I'm in the middle of planning a show. So I have an opening at Junior High, which is a um, nonprofit space in uh, L.A., and that is going to be opening on June 14th, and it's mainly going to be a big mural. So I am conceptualizing that. And I have also been working on illustrating a tarot deck for about a year and a half. Um, and I am not very far along, but I will be putting out, um, I'll be showing the first 15 cards at this thing. So right now I'm kind of in the process of trying to put that all together while I am also getting ready to fly to Omaha this weekend. Uh, so I guess it'll be the weekend after this has aired or the weekend before this aired what is time it's a circle Um, (laughs) right like what are days yeah uh so i will uh, just i'll be flying home the day after this podcast airs from painting a mural in omaha and also celebrating the launch of a pop-up book i illustrated which is called vaginas and periods 101 and it is a pop-up book um that is about um vaginas and menstruating for people of all genders who have vaginas Um, And it was written written by two uh, awesome women who are sex educators and sex therapists and who work with Girls Inc. in Omaha. So we're going to be celebrating the launch of that. Um, And if that is something that interests anyone who is listening, you can look it up at sexedtalk.com. That's so cool. And it's been like two years in the making. turns out making a pop-up book is very labor-intensive and involves a lot of work. And it turns out that making a pop-up book that has pop-up vulvas in it is even harder because a lot of the places that manufacture pop-up books don't want to make that. So um, <laughs> it took a long time, and it is re- I'm really excited to see it in person. I haven't actually seen it in person yet. So that's that, that's not something I'm working on currently. It's something I'm working on getting ready to celebrate. Um, so, yeah.
1: Fun. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to check that out. What do you yeah, currently feel that.
2: Oh, what am I feeling? I am feeling overwhelmed because I have a lot of things. Like I said, I have two murals to paint in the next couple of weeks. And so that is a lot of uh, planning to do. And uh, I'm feeling anxious because I'm about to get on the plane, which I don't like. But I'm also feeling excited because I love to paint murals. So this is like my favorite thing. It's a good blend of stuff. Yeah, that makes uh, stuff I'm happy. always running on a on at least 50% anxious. At, at time, yeah. <laughs> so.
1: What are
2: you currently planning? Um, I'm planning, like I said, these projects that I have coming up, but I'm also planning on having a little bit of like regular time off and just like uh, working on some new product and developing some new, uh, I have kind of been neglecting my store for a couple of years. So I'm trying to work on launching some new product in the fall. And um, some other stuff that I uh, can't really talk about that much yet, but hopefully I'll be able to share in a few months. So if anyone is following me on my Instagram and interested in some of the like more Nietzsche stuff that I do, Nietzsche, not Nietzsche. Um, <laughs> It's not related to any sort of philosophy. Um, but I was uh, say, do you have is is that like a secret hint? No, that was just <laughs> just mashing words together. Um, so yeah, uh, I have some stuff kind of in the works that is sort of like I'm excited about, but can't say much about yet. So um, if you follow me on Instagram, you can see what I'm seeing. Fun, and then lastly,
1: what are you currently loving?
2: Oh man, I'm just loving that uh, the wheels haven't fallen off of this this wagon yet. You know what I mean? It's every morning I wake up shocked that this is still happening and kind of surprised. So yeah, I'm I'm loving that I have the opportunity, like I said, to keep doing this. It's like a, it feels like a huge privilege to be able to sustain myself on my work, especially living in Southern California. So <laughs> yeah, that's I'm so, loving loving so. that I'm that I'm able to do this for sure. I that's am so fantastic. loving that
1: we had you on. Yeah,
2: thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, my gosh. I've been following you for so yeah. long. Like, I just saw that you and Josh had three years, and I remember following yeah. you, like, like in your cute dress with a crowd. top. Yeah. I was like, look, go. So, a lot of years, yeah. and you're on the podcast now, so that's fun. Now everyone can follow you and know what it's the
2: hype Yeah, thanks. At Sarah, S-A-R-A-M, Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S. Sarah with no H, Lions with a Y instead of an I. I love <laughs> it. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you.
0: We will be back next week with another awesome guest. Thank you for listening to the show. And uh, we're going to head over to After Chatter where you can find us for another 15 minutes unfiltered. Um, If you want to find us on After Chatter, come to patreon.com slash female. And if you want to support the show, which is awesome because we are awesome and we have more awesome, amazing guests coming up this summer, you can do that at patreon.com slash 2 or craftyassfemale.com slash patreon we have made it easy for you because websites can be confusing
1: <laughs> and if you watch the video you'll be able to see sarah's cute dangly strawberry uh, earrings uh, <laughs> yes,
0: it's true so come over to after chatter and watch the videos because those are always really fun all right guys we will see you next week have a great awesome rest of your week and we love you bye